The Island Institute presents From the Sea Up, stories of sustainability from Maine's coastal and island communities. I'm your host and the producer of this series, Galen Koch. As I speak these words to you from my at-home recording studio, my closet, on Portland's East End, it's August 2021. The COVID-19 pandemic continues to challenge and stress our communities, even as more and more Mainers are vaccinated and we see glimmers of hope and normalcy. The pandemic is far from over, and a year and a half in, the reality that COVID could be with us for a very long time is, for me, just starting to sink in. In all of the tumult and loss in the past 17 months, some vulnerabilities in the way we live our lives emerged. Specifically for Maine's island and coastal communities, the vulnerabilities in the marine economy and seafood supply chain became glaringly clear. The word sustainability really took on a different meaning in the past year and a half. When I think about that word now and reflect on the events of March 2020 and the following months, it becomes, for me, something more expansive. Sustainability is not only about the environment, but about the people, communities, work, and culture in Maine. As the fragile balance of the marine economy unraveled along our coast, community and business leaders came up with strategies and innovations to strengthen a system that was, even before the pandemic, subject to wild fluctuations and uncertainties. As part of this limited series focusing on sustainable seafood in Maine, I'm going to tell you the story of one of those businesses, Luke's Lobster. And I'm going to tell you the stories of the people in Maine's seafood industry fishermen and harvesters and policymakers and business owners who are working to diversify means fisheries and strengthen our marine economy. In this episode, we start at the beginning of our story, not in March 2020 or with the COVID-19 pandemic, but rather, this story starts with a friendship. A friendship between Luke Holden, co-founder and CEO of Luke's Lobster, and Rob Snyder, the Island Institute's former president from 2002 to 2021, Here's Rob. It's interesting. I actually remember hearing about Luke's and wanting to meet Luke when I was working with a group of ground fishermen that had formed their own organization called the Maine Coast Fishermen's Association. And there was an anniversary party for that organization that took place in Tenants Harbor. And that was going to be the first chance I had to have a chance to say hello and meet Luke, because I knew Luke uh, was involved with some of the fishermen involved there. There is already a story growing on the coast of Maine that, that somebody from Maine had started this food truck business in New York and was figuring out how to bring more value to Maine fishermen by going direct to consumers in New York. Let's pause for a moment. Why would the president of a community-focused organization, like the Island Institute, be so excited to meet and potentially work with the co-founder of a seafood restaurant. Well, it all comes back to the lobster roll. In order to create a great product, the perfect lobster roll, Luke's Lobster needed, you guessed it, great lobster. And the company had to figure out how to get Maine lobster from fishermen's boats over the wharves and to consumers who might be eating it days, weeks, or months later. Maybe it seems like I'm stating the obvious, but the truth is, getting lobster picked and packed and shipped all around the world is a complex task, especially if you're trying to maintain the integrity and reputation of Maine seafood. 
If you're in Singapore or Okinawa or Boston and you're eating a lobster roll from a Luke's food truck or shack, you may not realize just how much thought and consideration went into it. A lot of people who've only seen Luke's as a shack in Manhattan think that we're just kind of a group of restaurants and, and like another seafood restaurant, we might just pick up the phone and call a distributor when we need more seafood. This is Ben Conniff. He's the co-founder and chief innovation officer at Luke's Lobster. We're totally vertically integrated, so we buy live lobster directly from fishermen at harbors up and down the coast. We bring it to our own facility. We go through the excruciating detail process of you know, separating, steaming, picking, packing, and transporting that seafood. So we have complete quality control, but we also have a direct connection to fishermen and their communities and to the coastal environment. And I think, you know, that's really what differentiates us from other seafood restaurants is the direct connection, the knowledge that we have of every single step that our seafood takes when it comes out of the ocean. A lot of consumers want to know where their food comes from, right down to who caught it or grew it and what port or farm it came from. Where I live in Portland, Maine, it's not uncommon for restaurants to hold themselves to a similar standard on a very local scale. Even when we started, when we had one shack, Luke's father was operating a seafood production company where he was buying direct from fishermen. So, you know, Luke being a third generation fisherman and just having these decades of experience in this industry compiled from his father Jeff and now Luke, it means that we are able to do a better job for our guests by just getting them better seafood and also just do better by our fishermen. Since opening its first shacks in 2013, Luke's Lobster has taken those ethics of traceability and accountability to a monumental scale supplying their own shacks in 10 U.S. states, Japan, and Singapore. The company has also created a line of flash-frozen lobster and crab products to sell in grocery stores nationwide. And so, when Rob Snyder, the Island Institute's former president of 18 years, heard about Luke's Lobster and their direct support of fishermen and the ethics of the business, he knew he wanted to meet Luke Holden. And the feeling was mutual. Here's Luke, co-founder and CEO of Luke's Lobster. I've always been an admirer of the work that the Allen Institute has done, especially given that they've had such a, uh, a leadership role in, in leading these coastal communities towards challenges that, that ultimately they often are not focusing on because, because they're not there yet. The challenges are coming in five or ten years um, down the road. So growing up in this state, loving this state, um, I was always uh, aware um, an admirer of the Allen Institute. And maybe like five years ago, uh, Rob and I met and, you know, we had a, f- a few drinks, uh, went for a few uh, cross-country runs, started to develop a, a working relationship. From where I was sitting, you know, and kind of always wanting to build relationships as an organization with people who are kind of might know what the future economy could look like or how to participate in it as a as a business on the coast of Maine I was really intrigued that and not just intrigued but like excited that somebody was taking these risks and trying new things out because that's not always the story of fisheries in Maine 
The friendship between Luke and Rob allowed for these collaborations to take shape, and it's emblematic of a certain community-focused culture here in Maine, a culture in which work and friendship and passion for the state and its people are all tangled up together. For two organizations to work well together, there has to be some shared values too, and and that really resonated as like these are I feel like this is these are people we could all get to know and like and trust and and that's kind of fundamental to the kind of partnerships we're looking for and but you know knowing Luke and um, knowing myself you know fun is a is an important part of the equation. Hey, hey Luke, uh, I'm in New York. Oh, me too. I've got a five ten Delta flight. Well, I'm on the nine forty Delta flight. Great, I'll change my flight. Where are you? <laughs> we do have fun. We do it with great people, and you can treat people the way you'd like to be treated, um, and and make long term decisions. You kind of find that you put yourselves in situations where a rise of tide raises all boats, and and that's that's really been fun, and that's what makes Maine so special too. It's just such a small community that. Um, when you start to put the good actors together, um, there's a lot of really good synergies, a lot of fun to be had. The friendship between Rob and Luke is where this story begins. But it wasn't until March 2020 that a more formal, intentional partnership began to form between the for-profit business and the nonprofit organization. Of course, that was the beginning of the COVID-19 lockdowns here in the United States. Here's Luke. Rob just gave me a call as a kind of a check-in just said hey how are you doing you know I I I know that um, you've got businesses that that are in these major urban cities that that are ultimately hyper affected by COVID Um, in many cases uh, uh, mandated shutdowns across hospitality sectors um, are ongoing so you know what's going on how are you doing how's your family doing how's your team doing and I, I just was honest with them. It was it was not good. You know, we as a as a as a business, we're very seasonal. So we 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 survive the winter and spring in order to kind of refill the financial coffers um, each summer. And, and we were at the end of our rope there. Um, COVID had caused the um, the Asian markets to to shut down um, and really cause a disruption in the lobster industry a few months before it came really before COVID became a real big issue in the states so we had um, major issues with with our inventory being upside down and and I just said you know we're 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 one of the stronger players in this industry and we're in trouble Um, and that gives me a lot of fear for for what could and likely will come for the rest of the seafood businesses up and down the coast. In the U.S., more than 70% of seafood is consumed in restaurants. More than 70%. So the COVID lockdown was a gigantic, monumental, mega-issue for fishermen, dealers, and processors in the state. Not only did Luke's shacks and restaurants close, but there was also, virtually, no other market to sell to. So, with no restaurants to sell to, lobstermen had nowhere to offload their catch. According to NOAA Fisheries' COVID-19 impact assessment, in the Northeast, lobster landings revenue fell by $28 million in April and May 2020. And of course, other fisheries were affected too. 
The scallop industry in the Northeast, both dayboat and tripboat scallops, was down $56 million at that time. The Island Institute works on a small, local scale and works directly with businesses to find innovative solutions to complex problems. But the sheer scale of economic devastation in spring 2020 was difficult to deal with. So that was really frustrating for an organization that kind of likes to work at a small scale and try to find, you know, people who are really pushing hard for the future in their towns and in, in, in their jobs. And so that left us feeling a little bit helpless. And we were doing our best to help out, but it didn't feel kind of substantial enough. And then, you know, the, the number of hits that I was seeing the seafood industry take, whether it was the China tariffs that were, that were in place, the loss of EU market as EU shut down ahead of time, and, um, you know, uh, recognizing just, you know, cruise ships, casinos, restaurants, like where was this product going to go? And also knowing that the Canadians fish first and that they might have a chance to move their stuff and we might not have a chance to move ours was like, there was just this incredible mess. And I couldn't imagine how kind of five, you know, 5% of our state's economy is seafood. And, you know, most of that is lobster. So how are we going to, is there anything that you could do about that? The light bulbs quickly connected on like how, how, bad this could be if, if we couldn't figure out how to ultimately build some durability within the supply, the seafood supply chain, and particularly in the lobster, lobster sector. And so in that context, you kind of start thinking, who are the people who've been really innovative and tried to diversify their own market presence? And like, what are they thinking? What Luke, Ben, and the team at Luke's Lobster were thinking was that they needed to find a way to get seafood from the ocean, off the docks, and into the mouths and kitchens of consumers. The seafood supply chain was broken, but Luke's Lobster had the capacity to flash freeze, pack, and ship seafood. They usually did so for their own restaurants and grocery store products, and typically sold just lobster and Jonah crab, but with the dire circumstances of the pandemic came a lot of innovation. Here's Ben Conniff. So we started an online market. A couple of amazing members of our team basically researched it, built it from scratch, got it up and running by the end of March, which, you know, COVID really shut things down in mid-March. So it was extremely quick. And as soon as we started selling our lobster and crab products, we were hearing from fishermen that, you know, what about the scallops that I'm going out to, to drag this year? What about the halibut that I'm going to catch or the bluefin tuna I'm going to catch. And then, you know, we realized it was beyond just the fishermen that we already worked with for lobster. It was up and down the coast, you know, people who were catching or farming sustainable seafood that would not have a home because so much of the seafood that's consumed in America is consumed in restaurants. One of the greatest challenges of starting an online seafood market is that many Americans do not actually know what to do with seafood. Sure, you might be able to boil a lobster, especially if you live or summer in Maine, or maybe pansy or salmon, but do you know how to prepare monkfish or halibut at home? Do you know how to properly unthaw a pack of flash frozen dayboat scallops? The team at Luke's knew that they had the capacity to prepare, pack, and ship products directly from fishermen to consumers. But would we, the American eater, know what to do with them? So we took it upon ourselves um, 
to start trying to educate consumers about how they might actually prepare this seafood at home instead of relying on chefs at restaurants to do it for them. Um, that's where we wound up partnering with Island Institute who worked with us to go out and start this project and get funding for this project to demystify all these different types of sustainable seafood and help us buy those from fishermen, make sure they got used, make sure they didn't go to waste or fishermen didn't have to keep their boats at the dock, and then create the content that's needed for our customers to really feel comfortable buying cooking and serving that seafood to themselves and their families. For Rob Snyder at the Island Institute, introducing more of Maine's sustainably caught or harvested seafood into the homes of consumers not only supports Maine fishermen, but helps support the oceans, too. There's a challenge that seafood globally has really been struggling with, and that is kind of point of origin traceability from diverse sources on a global scale. And if you can build a trusted platform that can reach into various kinds of species, um, you're creating a greater opportunity to get transparency from the harvester to the consumer when you're working with a vertically integrated company that's got that commitment as part of its DNA. And that, I mean, fundamentally is probably the biggest driver of our ocean species depletion in the world is this kind of lack of transparency in the supply chain. And Luke's commitment to that and this platform's ability to tap into various species and help create that transparency in the supply chain um, really shows a way forward for a really systemic problem in global seafood. There is an ever-growing desire among American consumers to eat food that supports a healthier planet, or at least doesn't destroy it. Some folks choose to stop eating red meat or go vegan or eat as much local food as they can. When it comes to seafood, your most sustainable option is to eat a diversity of species from sustainable fisheries sold by companies who trace and verify the catch. On Luke's e-commerce site, you can buy halibut, tuna, monkfish, and other groundfish species like hake and haddock, kelp, eel, unagi, and dayboat scallops, in addition to crab and lobster. Here's Ben Conniff. For the supply chain and for the products that we sell, diversification to the extent of everyone in Maine just not relying entirely on lobster for our economy, you know, for our business, for the fishermen's income, their ability to go out and also catch scallops, farm kelp, uh, catch finfish, that is going to give them resiliency as well. So the ability to have multiple products, multiple species, all sustainable, that we can turn to as a way to make a living. Uh, that's critical to the coastal economy. And I think because the online market allows us to support more of those products that we couldn't squeeze into our tiny shacks in our various cities, that means this online market is going to be even more helpful to keep coastal communities strong. And with the help of the Island Institute, and this podcast, Luke's Lobster hopes to educate consumers on what seafood is sustainably caught and how to prepare it. Here's Luke Holden. 
but it's like really, really a neat opportunity to, to, to then figure out where the ancillary opportunities are within these, within these fishing communities to, to add more value onto what these fishermen, fishermen are, are leveraging each and every day. Like these boats ultimately are investments. These working waterfronts are investments and the more, the more utilization of the capacity of those types of investments that you can ultimately see towards will will create more more of a, a balanced economy a more of a durable economy so that throughout these types of economic challenges and spikes and troughs and landings like there's just a more sustainable business model going forward the overall goal of the partnership between Luke's Lobster and the Island Institute is to provide access to the sometimes impossible to navigate seafood supply chain through the e-commerce site, to provide accessibility and traceability to everyday consumers. But the site and the partnership provide other outcomes too. Supporting sustainable fisheries beyond lobster and crab gives fishermen options for resiliency in the face of changes that are happening along our coastline and in Gulf of Maine waters. Organizationally, we're taking as a given that the rate of change that communities are going to be experienced is going to increase and become more dramatic. And so what are the kind of skill sets that need to be developed kind of in our coastal leaders and in the business sector and in all these different ways that are going to allow us? I mean, what is resilience? For me, the simplest definition is it's the ability and skill to respond effectively to change. For this project and for the Island Institute, you know, this is fundamental to building resilient communities because it opens up new channels, new markets, new ways of thinking about and doing business, all of which will prepare people for the unknown that lies ahead. Um, And I think we're modeling that in our own behavior in this partnership by looking outside of a silo of the nonprofits or private and showing that, you know, we can be more resilient together even. Building a resilient marine economy is one goal of the partnership between Luke's Lobster and the Island Institute. And to achieve that goal, the partnership is working to adapt to the changing climate and come up with innovative climate solutions. For Sam Belknap, Senior Community Development Officer at the Island Institute, That's one of the most exciting outcomes of the work that his organization and Luke's Lobster are embarking on. There's no reason why the marine sector in Maine cannot lead as uh, on the climate change front from a mitigation standpoint, from an adaptation standpoint. But it's going to take some forward thinking individuals to go out on the limb and to test some of our assumptions and to pilot some work. And, And Luke's and their team represents just one such business where they're willing to take a risk and see like, well, let's see how we can minimize our impact on the climate. Um, And if it has business benefits, that's great, but that's not going to be our driving motivation behind it. We're going to do it for the good of the planet um, because the resource that we we make our money off of is intimately impacted by climate change. So if we can do our part um, in starting to pave the way for the lobster fishery to to fully decarbonize and lower its its greenhouse gas emissions and its its kind of climate impact, then then all the better. Um, So we're thrilled to see this partnership come to fruition with that kind of goal in mind. Luke's Lobster is a certified B Corps, which means that the business balances profit and purpose. That ethos is directly tied into the e-commerce site and the work that Luke's is doing with the Island Institute. 
In addition to supporting a diversification of Maine's marine economy, they're also working to reduce carbon emissions in the lobster fishery and pilot projects at their processing plant that reduce energy consumption. How can we have what our communities have always had in spirit? Um, how can we put into practice the sustainability that we need to see as coastal communities and the resilience that coastal communities just represent um, by the sheer fact that they've been here and weathered many a storm and transitioned themselves uh, time and time again. When we look at a company like Luke's Lobster and their holistic approach to uh, providing sustainable seafood and providing outlets for new types of seafood and by diversifying markets for fishing families and fishing communities, it represents a new way of doing business that we need to see more of along the coast. I, I think there's been a hesitancy to think about what the coast could be in 10, 15, 20 years beyond what it has been in the past. And I think this collaboration is like one of the first steps in helping to co-create what that future looks like by connecting uh, nonprofit work, by connecting private business, private sector business around a way of being and a way of doing business that we want, that we want to see on the coast in the future. To face the future head-on can be pretty terrifying. It's uncertain, it's unpredictable. But if the last year and a half taught us anything, it's that we are already living in an unpredictable, unsteady world. The lessons of the pandemic will, I hope, lead to more innovation in creating sustainable and resilient coastal and island communities here in Maine. It's clear that supporting the marine economy and the people who work and live in these communities will not always have easy, straightforward solutions. It will require collaboration, partnership, and coordination between nonprofits, for profits, and even regulatory agencies. By working together, we can create and support sustainable supply chains, sustainable fisheries, and sustainable communities here in Maine. Stay tuned in the coming weeks for more episodes of From the Sea Up. I'll be telling the stories of some of the diverse and sustainable marine species here in Maine. Thanks for listening to From the Sea Up presented by the Island Institute and produced by me, Galen Koch. Special thanks to Rob Snyder, Luke Holden, Ben Conniff, Merrick Carey, and Sam Belknap for participation and research on this episode. From the Sea Up is made possible by the Fund for Maine Islands and a partnership between the Island Institute, College of the Atlantic, Luke's Lobster, Maine Sea Grant, and the First Coast. For more information, visit www.islandinstitute.org podcast.